we shall continue with um, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This will be the 25th part. The 25th part, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Now, last week we began to look at the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ on the kingdom, which his disciples had inquired about in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. We noted that the word kingdom could mean rule, reign, or realm. And in general, we said that the kingdom refers to the realm that is the physical territory, group of individuals or an individual, over which a ruler, said Satan, self, or the Son of God, reigns as sovereign. We saw that the nature of the ruler characterizes each kingdom, and this nature manifests in the realm or in the lines of the individuals over which the ruler reigns. For instance, we noted that the kingdom of Satan and the individuals over whom Satan rules manifest in life with chaos, darkness, wickedness, evil, unbelief, unrighteousness, deception, craft, and so on. We said that the form of governance in this kingdom is oppression and terror. They frighten you to doing things, terrorize you so that you can do things. And the kingdom of self, we said that is characterized by the love for and the desire of self, and it manifests in things like nationalism, imposition of self upon others, democracy, desire for self-elevation, self-actualization, self-determination, and so on. We said that the pursuits in the kingdom of self are career, vocation, worldly titles, fame, wealth, world acclaim, and so on. We said self-rules through subterfuge, hypocrisy, politics, religion, and anything that will give self an advantage. This kingdom of self is about my way only. It's about dominion over others, or domination of others. Hence, this kingdom thrives on conquest and captivity, and on the conqueror and the conquered. So even in, in, in human endeavors, you find people gloating over the fact that they conquered someone or they overcome someone. The major feature of the kingdom of the Son of God is the deliverance of individuals from the shackles of sin, that is said, which is sin is actually Satan's instrument of oppression and captivity, and of God over self, and freedom to serve God out of love for God through voluntary submission to Him and His Word. The kingdom of the Son of God is markedly different from the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of self. And what it does essentially is that for that kingdom to be established in any man's life, first the kingdom of Satan must be uprooted, and the kingdom of self must be uprooted from the life of that individual. The kingdom of the Son is not necessarily a physical territory, but it is the heart or an individual that is surrendered to the governance or the rule of God in all its ramifications. That is, God is ruling over his career. Now we said for ourselves that career is a pursuit. When you are the care of the Son, of the Son, it is God who dictates to you what your career is and how you are to make that pursuit. So when we talk about God ruling, really, uh, you are surrendering yourself in all ramifications, we are talking about things like your career, your marriage, family, your business, sexual matters, relationships, even raising of children, every sphere of your life. The kingdom of the Son is not about food and drink, neither is it about the good things of this life, like many people. 
Rabbi is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As its citizens, those who belong to this kingdom, they always manifest the fruit of the Spirit, even though it may be in varying degrees. The kingdom of the soul is one of order and divine laws. It is one of obedience to God and to every ordinance of man, which does not conflict with the word of God. It is one of divine service, not one of pure warming. It is a kingdom of liberty, not of liberalism. We define the difference. Liberty is freedom from Satan, freedom from sin, freedom from self, so that you can serve God acceptably in holiness and righteousness. That's liberty. Liberalism, on the other hand, is anything you want to do, feel free to do it, no discipline, no, no caution, nothing. The kingdom of the, kingdom of the son is not liberalism, it is liberty. So that when the disciples were seeking the return of lost territories and of self-rule back to the nation of Israel, the Lord was saying to them, the kingdom I have come to establish is not of this world. It is not anything you have ever seen or experienced and cannot be learned by merely attending a series of classes. Rather, it is something that is etched into the heart or the inner man of everyone who submits himself or has submitted himself to the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. Such individuals must be prepared to give up everything for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ and be ready to do the will of the Father only at all and that's the summary of what we discussed last week. Now we want to proceed with today's discussion. And I pray that God will help us. It seems a little, a little lengthy, but the Lord will help us. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. When they, the disciples therefore, were come together to ask, uh, sorry, to come together, they asked of him, that is the Lord Jesus saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Lord bless the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, having taken a general view of the kingdom, we shall now take a closer look at the Lord's response to the question of his disciples in more specific terms as it relates to the kingdom, Israel, and the times and seasons. We pray that the Holy Spirit will open our understanding and help us to grasp the mind of Christ on the matter on this matter in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to be looking at um, what kingdom, what Israel, what timing, the natural versus the spiritual. Um, this would be part three point is the second part of that, and of course we are looking at one kingdom, and basically we are discussing a more uh, specific response, a more specific response of the Lord Jesus Christ to the question of what kingdom. Now, amplifying Acts one six, that is the, the, what the what the those disciples ask. They ask, and I'm just going to amplify it. Lord, will you at this time, that is in this present period, restore again? or return, or give back the kingdom, the reins of power, 
the territories of Galilee, Samaria, and Judea into one cohesive nation as it was before under kings David and Solomon. Will you give back? Will, are you going to give back um, the, 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 the kingdom of God? Are you going to bring back self-rule? That is leadership by Jews over Jews. Or even you, will you be ruling over us? Over the realm of Israel? Are you going to give back this kingdom to Israel, our nation? That was the question. Now we shall look at the Lord's response, which is Acts 1, 7 to 8. And um, we're going to do this in the light of all that we have studied thus far on the matter, including uh, what timing and what Israel. And um, we're going to look at it as implications for us Christians today. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So, as we look at Acts 1, 7 to 8, I'm going to break it down into numbers and alphabets, just so that we can grasp what the Lord is saying. Now, verse 7, he says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own heart, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and not the uttermost part of the earth. Now, the way I'm going to answer this question is going to be in the third person, or rather in the first person. I'm going to answer it as though the Lord was speaking to you and I today. Do you understand that? So, it's not when you see me say I, it's not me. It's the Lord who is speaking to us. So, point number one, it is not this is the Lord speaking to you and I, as He spoke to them and now He's speaking to us. It is not in my power to return or give back power or territories or rulership to Israel. That is my father's problem. Two, there is a time when my father will again rule over the nation of Israel. But this is not the time. And don't ask me when, because that is solely in the hands of my father. Not even the angels know about the time. One thing I know though is that this is not the time. So if the Lord were speaking to us, this is what we will be hearing. But if we have been there at the time, this is what we will be hearing. What we have is a compression, a summary of what he said. Thirdly, don't spend, nor indeed waste your time trying to find out the time which the Father is holding close to his chest. There is one of us that can pry into the secret of God. I think it's in John chapter 29 verse 29 that says, The secret things belong to God. But the things that are revealed, they belong to us and to our children forever. So anything that God has not revealed, there is no need for us to try to pry into it. If God wants you to know something, He will reveal it to you. If He doesn't want you to know it, He will not reveal it to you. Is that understood? There were times in generations past where what we understand today, they didn't know, yet they followed God. And God accepted them. Because within the light of the revelation knowledge that they had, they walked with God. You and I have to walk with God within the context of the light that God has shined upon His, His Word in our hearts. They are going to go beyond the Word of God. I, heard, I, I used to hear when I was uh, uh, not even a Christian that there are, the, there are the six and seven books of Moses. Is that in the Bible? No. What's my business with it? There are people who have Bibles with Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is not part of the Bible. You can read it for history, but it's not scripture. Do you understand? Just like we read historical books, but what, when we want truth, we go to scripture. And what is the scripture and the light that God has shined upon that we receive? 
So the Lord is also saying to us, stop spending time trying to care into when will he return? When will the kingdom be given? Don't worry about that one. God has kept it close to his chest. Four. But I'll tell you what you must do between now and when the time for the kingdom to appear will be. But before I do, let me remind you that when we met, that is when he and, him and, and the father met with Abraham, a similar thing occurred. We're going to turn to the scriptures now to see some of these things as we try to explain the Lord's answer. Genesis 15, Genesis chapter 15, from 13 to 18. And he said, that God said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The Lord told Abraham, the father told Abraham, when he was watching a covenant with Abraham, that I want you to know of the sort of your children, your descendants, are going to be slaves in a strange land. Don't forget the land they were in was also a strange land. So if anybody wanted to be peering into this place, he would run into the run into trouble. He said that the, the, the cup of the Amorites, the liquid, is not yet full. I want to give them time to finish all the things they want to finish. In the fourth generation, I will bring them back here to this land. Now, where they were going to go to, you know, God did not explain to Abraham here. Now, in Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 12, we find this fulfillment. Exodus chapter 12, I'm just going to read two verses here. Verse 41. And 51, 51 is actually a repetition of verse 1. Verse 41 says, And it came to pass, at the end of the 430 years, even the self-same day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Verse 51, And it came to pass the self-same day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their arms. This is 430 years after. Now, I want you to note here, what is important, we're not looking at dates and figures, because we're going to look at dates and figures, you understand that number one, God has said 400 years to Abraham. But he mentioned him in the fourth generation. Now, we don't know what a generation would have been. Some people say generation is 100 years. It could have been more because they lived longer at the time. So it could have been based on the oldest person who died. So, Abraham lived, Isaac lived, Jacob lived, Joseph lived. You understand? So, you have to calculate all those years rather than 100 years. You have to look at the ages of the people who died in Egypt. What online is the time came when they were brought out after 130 years. We know that Moses was the one that God used. We know the circumstances of the birth of Moses. We know all those things. But what is important here is that they came out of Egypt. But don't forget they are not yet returned to Canaan. They spent another 40 years in the wilderness before they eventually entered into Canaan. A total of 470 years after. So what is important is that what God has said, He did. Do you understand? The Bible did not say Moses brought them God is the one that brought them out of that land. And He was the one who led them into it. So it is important that when God says, I will do this, He will do it. 
Let's stop peering, trying to peer into things and trying to find it out. So the Lord continues. So let me now put perspective to this matter, moving from the natural and the present to the spiritual and the future. So it's going to move with us from the natural and the present time of that time and move to the spiritual and the future which will include our own time. So here we move to the alphabet. A. I have told you about the things that will happen in Jerusalem when you were all excited about the temple buildings. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Because we need to have understanding of what the Lord was trying to say to them. And it is the lack of this understanding that is making many of us to do what we are doing that is contrary to the word of God. Matthew 24. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to 33. But I will point out one or two important things before we uh, move full speed ahead. Matthew verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. That's the excitement he was talking about. They were excited about the building. They were excited about the size of the building. I said, Look at the building. Look at this building. Just like we do today. You know, a pastor has built a stadium and said, Wow, look at that building. That building is so massive, it can take a hundred thousand people sitting at one group. Another one has done one that can sit about two million people at the group. And you know, so there is excitement showing God the things that uh, they have built. And Jesus said unto them, See ye, say ye not, sorry, says, see ye not all these things? Very say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And we are excited about those buildings. Like we are excited, all that is good, they spent two billion here. God is saying, have you seen those buildings? By the time things events have finished, one stone will not be on the other. And historians record that this actually happened. And it was to happen about between within 40 years of what the Lord just said. Titus the general entered into Jerusalem and I'm told that Titus tried to save the temple. But the soldiers were so angry about the insurrection of the Jews. That they not only broke down the temple, they dug the foundation and brought out all the stones. So that the temple was a ruin by itself. Fulfilling what the Lord just said. Not one stone was left sitting on another stone. Everything was, was broken down. In verse 3, the Bible says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Have you seen that they moved to several questions now? First of all, they were asking, when will the temple break down? And then, what will be the sign of your return? And when will be the end of the world? They had asked that question before. Do you understand that? And the Lord had answered them. So, he said to say to them, Don't you remember what I answered you? Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And he's speaking to you and I. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive men. What is important is that many people have been deceived. Many people will be deceived. And I've told you when you see many, what is the balance? Few. So only few people are not being deceived. I pray that you will be amongst the few. And I pray that the many that are deceived, somehow God will have mercy and cause them to see the truth. In verse 6 he says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will hear about headsmen. You will hear about Boko Haram. You will hear about Al-Qaeda. You will hear about ISIS. We have not seen anything yet. You hear all. You hear about wars in places that were peaceful before. We've seen these things in our own country. See that he be not troubled. There is so much fighting taking place amongst us today. It's that we don't understand what the Lord said. Be not troubled. For all these things must 
He didn't say may. Must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Some of these nations may be physical nations. Some of these kingdoms may be physical and they may be spiritual. For example, we know that ISIS does not have a physical territory per se. But it is a kingdom of sorts. It's scattered all over the place. The same with Boko Haram is a kingdom of sorts. Seeking a kingdom to, to, over, to overcome and entrench itself there. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of what? Sorrows or anguish. They are sold us in advance. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. It's talking to you and I. Some of us have not even started experiencing this. And the little experience that we have, we are carrying petition, we are making noise, we are shouting, we are screaming. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended, like many are offended today. And shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. We are seeing some of it happen today. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And we see today, many people, the love of God has waxed cold. For the love of God is no longer there. It is not the love of self. It's not about what I can get. We go to church for what I can get. And when we are not getting it from God, we go elsewhere. Including so called men of God. Verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Who shall be saved? He that endures till the end. Not he that endures in the beginning and fails. The one that will hold unto the end in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. Unto all, unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And I ask a question, has the gospel been preached to all nations? No. We ourselves here, how many people have we preached? But we want to know when Jesus will come. But we want to know when we shall become rich. We want to know when we are going to buy this, when we are going to buy it. We want to know when we shall get married. They told the young man, I heard, Bro, you are advancing in age. Are you not going to get married? The brother said to them, Souls are perishing. Souls are perishing. Let me face the souls first. When the time of marriage comes, we'll get married. The souls are perished. So they start calling the brother. Souls are perished. Verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whose holy the let him understand. Note, I'm not going to do an, an exposition on Matthew 24. Want to just do my way before? Don't, don't worry about it. We're going to spend the next five years trying to expand on it because we'll have to move from Matthew to Daniel to Revelation to First and Second Thessalonians and every other place where we have the um, what is called now the, the the writings of the last days. But that's not what we're doing here. Verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountain. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back. To take his clothes. Don't forget, the Lord is answering three questions and he's not, he's not separating them, he's just answering them. But he's answering about where will the temple be, will be broken down, he's not answering about where will he return, he's answering about when will the world end. But he doesn't say, this is the answer for this one, this is the answer for this one, this is the answer for this one. Everything is mixed in there. So it will take a careful review with the Holy Spirit pointing to certain things for us to say, this belongs, this answer belongs to this place. But it also belongs to this place. Because here you have what we call the law of double reference in some instances. Where it speaks of something that is going to happen today, and yet it's going to happen in the future. Okay. 
Verse 18. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And go unto them that are with child, and to them that did suck in those days. But pray ye that, that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be, for then shall be the, the, a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And I said those days shall be shortened. There should be no flesh, there should no flesh rather be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If you didn't shorten those days, not one soul will be saved. Because the, 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 the struggle will be too much. Then if any man shall say unto you, No, here is Christ, and there believe it not. Do you understand that? When I say, I saw Christ, I saw him, he said, Don't believe it, that's what he's saying. Don't believe it. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Those of us who are chasing after signs and wonders. He said, this one, they will show signs and wonders. In fact, he said, great signs and wonders. In so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If not for the grace of God upon the very elect, they will be deceived. This is one reason why you and I need to make our election sure. According to this, make your election sure. Grow in the spiritual things. Seek the Lord on a daily basis. Verse 25. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, do not go, do, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It will be clear, everybody will see You don't need to alone. All eyes will see him. He said so. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. The same way you see vultures gathering over corpses, that is how his people will gather, will gather to him. You don't need people to tell you, go there, Christ, Christ is there. When he appears, we shall all be raptured, gathered to him. 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Here he's talking about the falling of Satan. When he says stars here, yeah, he's talking of Satan. And his, and his angels. They will be shaken and they will fall to the earth. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of heaven to the other. Now, learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender, and put it off leaves, ye know that summer is done. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is there, even at the cross. So he's reminding them, I told you this thing, when you are excited about the temple, I told you about the times and the seasons, about the end and the things that will happen. If I have Jerusalem, how the temple will be broken down. I told you. At that time, I had answered your questions. Beginning with the nature, and begin with the natural and the present, onto the spiritual and the future. Indeed, the Roman Empire will eventually fall, as will all kingdoms after it. Therefore, now Rome shall pull down the temple and pillage Judea, and the realm shall remain in Gentile hands. For this is their time. There's nothing you can do about it. This is the time of the Gentiles. B. 
It was never the Father's will for Israel to rule themselves. If only they had submitted to him and the prophets and the priests that he put over them. For this, we go to First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 8. First Samuel chapter 8. From verse 1 to verse 9. First Samuel chapter 8, from verse 1 to verse 9. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abia. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after Lothar, that is, uh, money, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Happen unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me, and said other gods, so they do, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore happen unto their voice, how be it yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So when they were asking for a king, when they were asking for self-rule, God has said, that is not my will. What people are asking for is basically to say, we don't want God to rule over us. We want to have ourselves our own king. So don't worry, Samuel. It's not, a, it's not you they are rejecting. It's me they are rejecting. But give, it, give them whatever king they want. But first, show them what this king will do to them. So I read verse 10 to 22 to the end now. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands, and captains over fifties, and will set them to air his ground, and reap and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. Now that was this king they are asking for, he is going to have civil servants, and they will be serving him. They are going to work for him. All these all this things, they you know, the people work for the government is a, is, a, is a palace. They work for one man, whoever that man is. And he will take your daughters to be confessionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your colleagues, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. You don't want me to rule over you, let me tell you what the king will do. He will take everything and he will rule over you. He will take all your things and rule over you. And look at it in verse 2, says, And he will take the tenth of your seeds, and of your vineyards, and give his officers and his servants. That he will tax you. You pay taxes. And he will take your male servants, and your male servants, and your good years young men, and your asses, and put them to his work. Not the work of the Lord, but his own work. He will take the tenth of your sheep, and he shall be his servants. And he shall cry out in that day, and he shall cry out in that day, because of your king, which he shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Remember I told you that democracy is God in the kingdom of self. No sooner than you vote somebody, you start complaining. 
Then you put another person and you start complaining because I'm not going to hear you. So all this noise we are making, God is not going to hear us. Because we have chosen a system of government that is contrary to We are refusing to rule over us. Even if you have a Christian as head of state, you are still going to have a problem. Because you don't only have a nation of Christians, you have, and even if we had a nation of Christians and we had a Christian as head of state, the pastors not to talk to the head of state, we tell the pastors to sit down and speak quiet and the head of state. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. And we know what happened next. Saul was made king, and they had problems. Until David was made king, and even after David had left, and Solomon came in, from the time of Solomon, idolatry entered into Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, God had told them how the king should behave. Verse 14 to 20. Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20. When thou art come unto the land with the Lord thy God given thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Note, please, this was before they entered Canaan. Do you see that God had known they were going to ask for a king? Do you understand that? But God, was it God's intention for them to have a king? No. Is that case they want to have a king? Give it to them. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shall thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Please, I want you to note, we are speaking of the nation of Israel. There is no nation in the world today that is a Christian nation. Even the Vatican is not a Christian nation. There is no nation in the world that is a Christian nation. So, it is a fallacy to think, for example, let's, let, let me pick a simple example. Let's assume that River State, where we are now, decides that it wants to expand itself from Nigeria and wants to be a nation. Let's call it the nation of oil. Say oil nation. And that it, we call it a Christian nation. Then that's the question. Will there be Muslims in this nation? Will there be idol worshippers in this nation? So there's no nation that is a Christian nation. You cannot force people to, to be Christians. Christianity is a matter of choice. But in Israel, they were not Christians. They were Jews. They were debaters. That was a different matter. Judaism was a matter of law. Christianity is a matter of grace. Christianity is a matter of choice. Judaism was not a matter of choice. You were born into it. Do you understand that? So please, let's not try and do apple for apple because it's not apple for apple. Even in the church, if we, if we say, no, we're talking about the church, nobody is born into the church. Everybody must first of all be born again, be sanctified, and then baptized into the body. Do you understand that? Okay, so let's continue now. Verse 16. But he shall not multiply houses to himself. Note that. He shall not multiply houses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply houses. Solomon did this. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, they all did. That is, half turned not away. Have you seen what multiplication of wives does? It turns the man out of the man away from following one God. Because the wife will begin to drag you. No, you must worship my God. No, you must worship my God. One wife might have the God of gold. Another wife might have the God of trinkets or uh, beads. Another wife might have the God of rubber. Another wife might have the God of heart. 
and you don't return apart from the Lord, you must worship every God that you want. Because they are your wives. Neither shall he modify wives to himself, that is not turned not away. Neither shall he greatly modify to himself silver and gold. Some people say our, our spiritual leaders are like the kings of old. They are not to modify silver and gold. Nobody said that. No, no leader should modify silver and gold because it will corrupt him. God knows what he said. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write in a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests delivered. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law, and this statutes to do them. Do you see the primary assignment of the king? To write out the law and to study it. That is his primary assignment, is to study the word of God. From day, from morning to night, so that he will hear God, so that he will be able to rule in the fear of God and trust him. That his heart, verse 20, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn up aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. He must follow those that he does not become proud. That's what the Bible says. As we, if you and I were to put ourselves in the place of the kings and we study the word of God, we will learn the fear of the fear of the Lord. We will learn humility. We will not think that we are higher than any other person. But we understand that we are within, that we are like every other person. It's just that God has placed us in a position of privilege. That's all. So the Lord was saying to them, it wasn't the Father's will for Israel to even have leaders, to have a king. It was, it was, it was you people who were asking, you were the people asking for a king, and he gave you. Now you want to ask the same thing again. See, do not despair. There is a divine plan. This is where we are now going to. There is a divine plan. I have other sheep. That are not of natural Israel. And they must be brought into my fold. I have told you about this before. Let me tell them John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We are going to read verses 16 from 16 through to 18. Verse 16 through to verse 18. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. The fold is there like a pen where they keep sheep. And you know, all, all the shepherds can bring sheep from different places and they keep in that fold. Now he said that I have other sheep. They are not inside this fold yet. He said, Then also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Not two folds, not two shepherds. One fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me. That I lay it down for myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my father. So, what he's saying here is, look, this your times and seasons and kingdom of Israel, we have, we have moved past the natural Israel. Then we are building a new fold. Is the same one fold? I have other sheep that must not be brought in to this fold. Are you getting the point so far? Okay. Now, D. So between now and when the Father will implement his grand plan, you must bring in this other sheep into my fold. This other sheep and not the Jews scattered around the world, but the Gentiles. Now we know that he didn't expressly state this here, or even in Acts chapter 1. And that was the meaning. They themselves did not fully understand. That was why when they began to preach, where did they go to? The Jews. They thought it was only the Jews who were scattered. 
So the focus was on the Jews that were scattered. They didn't look at the Gentiles until Cornelius said for it. It was then Peter realized that indeed the Gentiles are part of us. There are many things that God is saying to us today that in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in our own mind we cannot fully grasp it. That is why I prayed at the beginning that the Holy Spirit will open our understanding and help us to grasp it. If, if we are talking to the Lord today, we will think the way the disciples thought at that time. Many of us are still believing today that the Muslims are a damned people. That the atheists are condemned to death. And God is saying, I have other sheep. Many people who are practicing Islam today are other sheep that we want to bring in. Many people who don't believe God today, who are even kidnapping and killing people and raping women, they are other Instead of focusing on when will the time come? When will the time come? When will the time come? He's saying, I have understood. And I want you to understand this plan. That's what the Lord is saying. Because if you don't understand this, you will just be doing the way others are doing. So let's go to point E. You may be wondering how you are going to do this. You must go and preach the good news of the fall of the kingdoms of Satan and self. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, the kingdom of Satan was defeated. The kingdom of self was defeated. He says, go out and preach and tell them that those two kingdoms are, are, have been destroyed or have been defeated. Remember what we said last week? That the kingdom of the sun cannot stand side by side these other kingdoms. So if the kingdom of Satan should be established, that kingdoms must be pulled down. Say, man, tell them that those kingdoms we are afraid of, they have been destroyed. Bring to them that the deliverance of mankind from sin and sinful living has been accomplished. Bring to them that the witnesses, which them are the witnesses of the power to accept people of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every race, of every culture, provided they come in repentance and put their trust in me for their salvation. Come to them. That door is open. Father is willing to accept all and some, regardless of religion, regardless of race, regardless of skin color, regardless of creed, regardless of culture. I have all sheep. Some of them right now are practicing Hinduism, but I have others, and I want you to go and bring them. What he said to them, he is saying to us Not that I said, preach to them the good news of deliverance. I didn't say, pressure them into the kingdom with gimmicks and tricks. Not that. I didn't say, go and force them, go and put them under pressure, go and try tricks and say, Maybe somebody is pushing your video so that you can come to the kingdom of God. No! Preach the good news of deliverance to your salvation. Why? Because only by my word can they truly come into my kingdom willingly. Only by the word of God will they come in willingly. We are going to look at John chapter 10 still, but we are going to read from verse 1 now. And I want you to understand the issue of the word of God. Why the word of God must be preached. Not the words of men, not the words of our thinking or of our imagination, but the word of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I'm reading from verse 1 of chapter 10, John, okay. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. You cannot enter the sheepfold by a back door. You cannot make claim that you were born a Christian. You are a thief, you are a robber. You cannot jump the fence. Avoiding repentance and just entering the church and saying, I'm a part of the church. You are a thief, you are a robber. But he that entered in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There are pastors who are people who are just using tricks 
to say they are Christians and say they are leaders. Just because they can do one, 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 one false wonder or one false sign, they think that they are not pastors. After doctors can heal, they can, doctors can cure certain things by just giving you a prescription. So should the doctors now become our pastors? Verse 3. To him the waters open them, the water rather open them, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he let them out. Note that the sheep hear what? His voice. Preach the word. Those who belong to me, they will hear that voice and will follow me. It is not everybody you are going to preach to that will hear the word of God. It is not everybody you preach to the same day that will receive the word of God. But you just be preaching it at the appropriate time. My sheep will hear my voice. Verse 4, when he put them for his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow that will flee from me, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. How do we know the voice of God? It is the word of God. Anybody who is speaking anything outside of the word of God is a stranger. Those who are truly sheep, they will run away from such I want you to understand that the Lord is saying, Go, preach my word. Focus on the word. Focus on the word. Because it is the word that will bring them in. Not gimmicks, not whatever it is you are doing. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is power in the word of God to bring about salvation. Don't diminish the place of the word of God and think that you can use gifts and other things to do it. Focus on the word of God and my sheep will come. Those who, who are who truly are mine, they will hear that voice, they will hear that word. They will recognize it and will come. It will be, it will be, it will be ringing in their hearts, even long after they have it, and they will soon come. In First Corinthians chapter two, verse one to five. First Corinthians two one to five. This is what Paul wrote. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. You may not be a fantastic orator. You may not be good with words, but just speak the word of God. You may not know. How to express yourself, just speak the word of God. Paul said, I didn't come with excellency of speech or wisdom when I came to declare the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came with the gospel of salvation that Jesus Christ has died and paid the price for our sins, that we should come to Him in faith and put our trust upon Him for our salvation. I came to tell you that He defeated Satan on the cross. And that he defeated sin and the self-life on the cross. And that unless we die to self and submit ourselves to him, nothing is going to happen. I came with only one message, Christ and him. That is the message that we have. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in one tremor. He did not have any confidence in his flesh, in himself, that he would do it. And look at verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. We're going to discuss this later. Because it's not just the word, but what now? The spirit of God backing up that word with power. Verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? In the power of God. Because if your faith were to stand in the wisdom of men, you will fail and you will fall. But if it stands in the power of God, you will stand even in the day of adversity. F. 
Even though you are to preach my word, merely speaking the message of salvation will not cut it. And this is why I am telling you to tarry in Jerusalem so that you can be empowered, really baptized, enveloped, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Another, another word for empowered, to be baptized, to be totally enveloped, to be overwhelmed, to be overwhelmed by something the thing perplexes you and it takes over by the Holy Spirit and expresses to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the comforter I spoke to you of earlier. And you find that in John, from, uh, John chapter 14, from verse, um, I think, 16 or 17, down till verse 16, uh, chapter 16 rather, from John 14, 17 to chapter 16, it talks about this, and I'm going to read out some of them here. Who will come and remind you of everything I have told you? Who will be with you and will be in you? Who the world cannot receive? Who will tell you only what I and my father tell him to speak? Who will convict the world with sin and bring the truly repentant to salvation? This same Holy Spirit will also sanctify. That is, he will purge, he will prepare, he will purify, and he will present those who believe the gospel message to make them citizens of my kingdom and ministers of the new testament. So then to wait for the Holy Spirit. But we shall see how that the Spirit come upon you. We shall be witnesses of you. can't do it without it. You can preach, but it will be ineffective. The effectiveness of the world is when the Spirit of God is preaching it through you. That's the power. So do nothing except to study my word. Pray. Have fellowship among yourselves. Seek my purpose until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When this happens, you will know. Sometimes we say, oh, how do I know when the Holy Spirit that you will know? G, which will be the last thing that we're going to discuss now. Therefore, wait in Jerusalem. Or, as I say, wait in whatever situation or whatever station you find yourself in life. Just wait until this power comes upon you. It is enough. It is enough for us to be grown at it, but I don't have the power. Are you waiting on God for the power? Are you spending time in the world, like He said? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in fellowship with the brethren? Are you seeking the purpose of God? Just keep doing that. Not many days hence, the power will come. He will overwhelm you and enable you to perform the task that you need to do. Luke chapter 24, and we shall see the tasks. It's the same thing that he is expounding the task little by little. I'm taking verse 45 from 45 for a specific reason. Luke 24 from 45. Then open he their understanding that, that they might understand the scriptures. Number one, you need to understand the scriptures. And the only person that can open your understanding is the Holy Spirit. And said unto them, those it is written, and those it behold Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead in third day. We must understand that Christ had to suffer, that Christ had to be killed, and that Christ had to be raised up again. And God tells them that, and the pastor says it, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. For you and I, start in your own Jerusalem. Start in your household, start in your community, start in your neighborhood. Don't think of taking the gospel to, to, to America, taking it to Europe. Taking it to Australia, those fine, fine places. We craftily avoid the Middle East. We cunningly avoid China. And the places where they are beheading Christians. Where we want to go to those places where they are in sunshine and enjoyment. Go there and preach. Repentance and remission of sins. And in verse 14 it says, And ye are witnesses of these things. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
you will be a witness of these things. You will be able to witness about these things. And in 49, he Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from one hand. Wait until you are endued. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And I'm going to be reading verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and know I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I'm going to be with you. Go and teach all nations. Or let us just say, go and make disciples. The way to make disciples is to do what? To teach. So as you preach, you bring them in. And when they are coming, what do you do? You teach. To make them to become disciples. Not you are not the one making them to disciples. As you teach the word of God, with the Holy Spirit there, the Lord Jesus will make them his disciples. They are not there to serve you. They are there to serve you. God will make them to do one of two things for you, but that doesn't mean that they are servants. They are God's servants primarily. Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 to verse 20. Mark 16, 15 to 20. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are not talking about preaching to dogs now. Talking about every human being. So you can see that nobody is exempt from hearing the gospel. People of every tribe, of every nation, of every religion, of every creed, preach it. He that believeth, he has told you not everybody who believes. He says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. But what are you to do? Go and preach. Lead them to believe or not to believe. You go and preach. And this signs shall, shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God is not asking you to see poison and go and drink it. But if by any reason somebody poisons you unwittingly, without your knowledge, you will not harm you. If they do to do for you, so what? You won't even know. You won't harm you. Don't pass that to you to introduce that. That's not your business. Let them do what they want to do. It will fail. Verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Who was walking with them now? The Lord. And he walked there. The was walking with them and not with them. God is not going to leave you without his presence. Without his support. Indeed, I've said this over and over again. The work of God can only be done by God. Which is why we have been given the Holy Spirit to help us to do his work. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that you and I can do the work of God in a manner that is acceptable to him. In a nutshell, this is what Acts chapters 1, chapter 1, verse 6 through to verse 8. Sorry. The Lord was saying to them, forget about these things. About times and seasons, about uh, the nation of Israel. We have moved on from the nation of Israel. We have moved on to a spiritual nation called the church, which is spiritual Israel today. The times will come, that time will come, but this is not the time. It's the time when we must wait and watch and work. The work is to bring in brothership that I have into my home, into my kingdom. Go and announce the word of God. Go and proclaim the message of salvation, the gospel. Go out there and do that. And no, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So you need to wait for Him. He will empower you. When He has empowered you, go and start preaching. Start in Jerusalem. 
move to the outer part of Judea, move to the outer layer of Samaria, and then go to the rest of the world. Beloved, the Lord's desire remains the making known of the gospel of deliverance and salvation to all and some. That remains the focus. Not making money, not building houses. His desire is not necessarily to make you rich for his own sake. But where having money is concerned, it is for its use to prosecute the task of preaching the gospel, teaching those who have come into the kingdom as a result of the gospel message, and thus making them disciples, and then releasing them to the service of the master. We don't use money to imprison people. We don't use money to lock them in. We don't use our money to, to keep them in one place. We teach them, and when it is time, release them, like in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, and along with other teachers, were teaching in the, in the church in Ania. And one time they began to minister to the Lord. And still the Lord came and said, Separate unto me, Barnabas and Paul, and so, for the work whereof I have called It was time for them to be released. They have to be released and to go. The kind of thing that we do, there are some churches where once you have left the church, nobody wants to talk to you again. In fact, I think I heard one pastor say that they should remove some people from their own contacts because they have left the church. They are still our brothers. Maybe they have a work to do. Maybe God has called them to do their work. Then God, let them go to that work that God has called them to. Allow them to go. To expect that they can support them. Support them. Help them to do the work of God. But you also be prayerful. Let it be that it's the work of God they are doing. Not the work of flesh. Not the work of sin. But the work of the Son of the living God. Let us give up our selfish desires for self-aggrandizement, for wealth, for its own sake, and for other personal pursuits. And let us come and surrender to Christ and the Father, to Christ and the Father, and seek to serve Him. I'm going to close with this scripture in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 73 to 75. Luke chapter 1, 73 to 75. The oath which He, that is God, swore to our Father Abraham, that he will grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hands of our enemies. You see where this man is taking it from? From that time that God spoke in Genesis 15. He's giving it a, a present interpretation, and I'm giving it the same, the, the Lord giving the same interpretation to us today. God has sworn, has promised, that he will grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness, and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Am I asking you to, to mount a pulpit every one of us? No! Not every one of us will mount a pulpit. But your pulpit is that desk where you are sitting every day working. That's your pulpit. Your pulpit is a bus conductor. Is that bus where you are being a conductor? One of the things that you will know if you are a bus conductor, that you are a Christian, is that you are not cheating people. You are not lying. You are not falsifying things. Today we go to one park, I mentioned that earlier, we go to one park. And we find people say, oh, let us pray. When travelers want to travel, they come to the car and say, let us pray. Lord, as they are going, grant them journey messages. Grant them, you don't know the man. Everyone is afraid of death. Amen. Amen. This car will have amen. This car will have an amen. The devil wants amen. We say all the amen. And after you say all the amen, you say, well, brethren, I have something that I'm doing now. Then this drug is a very serious drug. Prepared by a Christian. It's good for hypertension. It will cure diabetes. It will cure headache. It will cure this, it will cure that. It is only going to cost you 1,000 euros. You know, it didn't take off time. This is the little thing that I'm doing now. So just help your brother in the Lord. Is that what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. These are the people who call merchandisers of the gospel. That is not how to serve God. 
having freed us from Satan and from sin and self, God expects us to serve him now in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. This, my brethren, is what the Acts of the Apostles you find in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. If people haven't been saved and washed the blood of Jesus, haven't been sanctified, we read about how, and that's what we're going to be seeing after now, we read about how they went into the upper room, waited on the Lord, prayed, studied the word of God, had fellowship until the Spirit of God came upon them. How after the Spirit of God came upon them, how they began to preach the word of God, and souls were coming. How the souls that came in were taught the word of God, were taught things about this new world, this new life that they are coming to. How they faced challenges, and how they overcame those challenges. How they wrote signs, miracles, signs and wonders to testify and witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How they overcame the challenges. We read about Saul of Tarsus, who wreaked havoc about the church. We read about how they sat in one place at one time, and how God used Saul to scatter them all over the place. Saul was merely doing the work of God without even knowing that that was what he was doing. And how God himself came to save Saul from the disastrous life of God. And how that Saul was used mightily of God. That's what he did for the pastor. But if we don't understand that the primary assignment you and I have is that having been delivered from the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of self, that we are now to become citizens of the kingdom of the Son. Not just through salvation, but also through sanctification. Where the Spirit of God is purging us, preparing us, purifying us, and then presenting us to God and saying, Lord, they are ready for use. And then He comes upon us, overwhelms us, and now uses us to go out there and preach. We are wasting our time. We will come to church every Sunday and be wondering why are we in church. Because we have come with a different purpose. Like the disciples, they had a different understanding. Will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? Will you at this time give me that word? Will you at this time allow this contract to sell to you? Will you at this time bring that 15 billion naira that I read about, that I had a dream about? Will you at this time give me that card that that man of God prophesied that day that I went to the land? That's all we're talking about. Will you at this time give me the twins that I had dream about? Will you at this time give me that husband that I'm looking for? That wife that I'm waiting for? Those things that I'm looking for? That's the reason why we have to in the church. People who are chasing after things. That is in the power of God. It's not in the power of heaven. Some people get married without effort. Some people will pray and pray and pray and pray before they get married. Some people will get married without effort and then wait on God for years before they have a child. Others, it's as if the man just said, How are you? The stomach has swollen. Before they deliver, another, ah, what happened? The stomach has swollen again. After a while, now I have to keep it not because it's not your problem because the stomach has swollen again. So it is not in the power of any man. And the Lord says, say, whilst you are waiting for whatever it is you are waiting for, make the preaching of the gospel invocation. Study the word. Soak yourself in prayer. Remain in fellowship with the brethren. At the appropriate time, the Holy Spirit will come and say, separate unto me, John and Judy, or whatever they are called, for the work whereof you have called. He wasn't calling them that day. That work had been established on the foundations of the world. These are the people that will do this with you. Right now you are here. You are here to learn. I'm sure without any shadow of that, a time will come when some of us will begin to manifest certain things and it'll be time for us to say, okay, let's get into this. It might be one day again that you'll be doing that. It might be one day that I don't know that. But what I'm saying is that at this point in time, you and I need to apply ourselves to the world and work of others. I want you to talk to God. I want you to talk to the Lord concerning your own life. What are those needs that you are sitting on? 
What are those needs that you will not allow God to rest every Sunday? It is time to let him be. Those things are in the power of God. He will do it when he wants to do it. No amount of crying or screaming will change that. But you focus on the world. Focus on the world. Let your purpose and the purpose of God line up. Suddenly you will see the, the shallowness of those prayer requests. You will see the unnecessariness of those things that you are making a prayer for. Talk to God about yourself. Talk to God concerning His work, concerning this kingdom, concerning the things that He wants you to do. Many of us have abandoned and chastened the work of God because we are chasing after so many things. Yet, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Seek that plan. Seek that purpose. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. It'd be nice if you can pray the Spirit. Let's talk to God. Talk to God. Pray the Spirit. Has a lot to meet with you. Nothing wrong with you having those concerns. There's everything wrong having that God to keep at those concerns. Pray the Spirit. Pray the Spirit, brother. Talk to the Almighty. The Bible says he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh mysteries to God. I mean, he doesn't even understand what he's saying. But in the spirit, the Lord understands what he's saying.